Today, we're talking about a lifestyle of hunger and learning how to hunger after the Lord all the days of your life, okay? So we're finishing up our 21 days of fasting today, by the way, and if you're interested in breaking your fast with us or just coming to hang out with us, we are going to go to Van's Pig Stand over on 19th Street, just on the other side of the uh, railroad tracks. They do have salad and they have vegetables, so um, it's great for everybody. So if you want to come join us today, let's eat lunch together and celebrate what the Lord's been doing this last 21 days, okay? All right, so as we come to the end of it, that's the big push that I feel is the fast for me has personally been very helpful. I feel like it has cleaned the pipes, if you will, from heaven to earth in my heart. I feel like it's re-energized me in different ways. It's gotten me fresh vision and focus and excitement. It's put more fire in my heart than I've had before, and so it's been great for me. Hopefully it's been good for you guys as well. Um, but we want to talk about how do you continually press in to a lifestyle of hunger with the Lord so that if, that's, if you're feeling the same way I am, I want to feel this way all the days of my life. So how do we get there? Um, a few weeks ago, Callie and I were sitting on the couch. I was holding Grace. I just fed her. We're watching TV, and um, so I'm sitting here. Callie, is, she comes over right here. And I've just finished feeding Grace. I'm holding her. A lot of times when you finish feeding Grace, she throws up everywhere. So I'm ready for it. You know, I'm all in position. I'm taking care of her. And Callie bounces over, and she's like, she's like, Dad, Dad, I want to hold Grace. 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 Dad, let me hold Grace. Dad, let me, let me hold Grace. Let me hold Grace. Right? And she's just like a squirrel, like all over the place, going crazy. And this continues on and on. And I'm like, not right now. Not right now. Not right now. No, Callie. Not right now. Not right now. And she's so squirrely. And the thought that continued to pop in my mind as she keeps asking and asking and asking and asking to hold Grace which, guess what, she finally did get to hold Grace, because when you ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, Daddy says yes a lot of times. So um, the only thought that kept going through my mind is, Callie, if you want to hold Grace, you better position yourself to hold her correctly, because if you don't, she's going to overtake you. <laughs> she's going she's gonna to knock you over. You're going to knock her over. She's going to fall on her head. She'll throw up all over you and the couch and everything. Like, you got to get ready if you're going to receive this blessing. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and it was kind of like this ding, ding, ding. And it was a spiritual moment where the Lord said, isn't that like me? I said, what are you talking about? He said, if you want to receive a blessing from your heavenly Father, you must position yourself to receive it properly, or else it will overtake you when it comes. He said, if you want to receive a blessing from your Heavenly Father, you have to first position yourself to receive it properly, or else it's going to overtake you when it comes. And that reminded me of Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2. It says this, um, the Lord is talking to them, guys, if you will just obey if you'll just do what I told you to do, amazing things are going to happen. I'm going to bless your life more than you could have ever imagined. And here's what he says. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then what's next in the chapter is bless, like the most amazing blessings you could ever dream of. You, he just lists them all out, right? The Lord loves to overtake you with blessings. But 
because he loves to overtake you with blessings, we have to first, if we expect to receive a blessing from him, we have to first position ourselves properly to be able to receive the blessing when it comes. Amen? So my question to you is, do you live a lifestyle of ongoing hunger for God? Scale of 1 to 10. Think about from the time that you, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking when you were a kid and you first accepted Jesus and you never thought about him again. I'm talking about when you got serious about God, from that point until now, scale of 1 to 10, how hungry do you consistently stay for God? You don't have to tell your neighbor, but put a number on it in your mind. How hungry do you stay for the Lord? We want to get that to a number 10. All right. I just finished this book. It's called Defining Moments by Bill Johnson. And you can't see, but uh, Jennifer Soklovov, Maskov. <laughs> Thanks, McCovey. Um, it's called Defining Moments by Bill Johnson. It was a great book. And what it does is it chronicles a lot of our heroes' lives of the last 150 years. And it talks about their life before they were anybody special and their normal life leading up to a certain moment. And then they would have a defining moment with the Holy Spirit. And something would change. Something significant would change in their life. And then they would move on to life, and they would have another defining moment. Something else would change. They would have another defining moment. And so it goes through people like Charles Finney, who, if you remember stories of him, he was a revivalist. But there's stories of him literally walking through the, the, the city line, walk over the city line, and people on the other side of the city would fall out under the power of God and begin to weep and repent and come to Jesus. Because he carried so much of the presence of the Lord inside of him. People like Smith Wigglesworth, who raised lots of people from the dead and saw every sort of miracle you could dream of. Catherine Coleman, Amy Simple McPherson, John G. Lake, Randy Clark, Heidi Baker. The book goes through all these heroes of the faith and just helps kind of like take the veil off. Who were they? How in the world did they become who they were? And in every single instance, there's defining moments where everything changed for these people. Sometimes the defining moment would give them peace, you know? Nothing crazy would change, but there would just be significant peace. Sometimes it would be a deliverance. Sometimes they would have boldness and power. Sometimes revival would break out and thousands of people would get saved because of their defining moment. But every single one of them had these defining moments, and they were nobody before the defining moment. And after defining moments, they were amazing heroes of the faith that we look forward to, to try to become today, in a sense, right? Now, every single one of these people that we call heroes in the faith, there was a pattern before their defining moments. All of the defining moments were prefaced, let me go back, all of the defining moments were prefaced with a season of intense hunger. Every single one. So they would hear a testimony, the Lord just healed so-and-so of cancer, and they would get hungry, and they'd think, man, if they did it for them, why not for me too? And there'd be a hunger that goes inside. And they start to cry out and fast and pray. And God, I want more. God, I want more. God, I want more. Intense hunger and fasting and seeking and pressing in. And as they press and press and press and bam, Holy Spirit comes. Everything changes in that moment. And then they're satisfied for a moment. But then they get hungry again. And they want more. And they want more. And so their whole lives were marked by hunger and yearning and longing and crying out for God to show up. And then bam, Holy Spirit would show up. There'd be a defining moment where everything would change in that moment. And after several of those, they ended up leaving these legacies that we love to read about today. All right? 
So why was that the pattern of breakthrough for all of these different people? I'll say also, the people in the Bible that you look forward, that you love, Moses, wow, what a man of faith. Moses was hungry for God his whole life. He was so hungry for God that he told God, I, I would rather not ever see the promised land and live in the desert to stay close to you than to go live in the, live in the promised land without you. He wanted God's presence. David, same thing. You read any of the Psalms, you're going to see this hunger, this, this longing, this desire from him to be close to God. Peter, any of your heroes from the Bible, if you look at them, you're going to see defining moments where God showed up and did amazing things. But before it, you will always see intense hunger of them crying out, crying out, crying out, and then God satisfying them. Okay? So why is that the pattern? Hunger, 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 breakthrough. Hunger, 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 breakthrough. Hunger, 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 breakthrough. Why is it the pattern? It's because of the universal law of hunger and satisfaction. Y'all say it with me. Universal law of hunger and satisfaction. Matthew 5, 6. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen? My notes say, if they will be filled. The, the Bible says four. Don't worry. Okay, so blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Okay? Jesus spoke it out loud, this universal principle of hunger and satisfaction. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. The voice of Jesus, by speaking out, the world was created. The universe was created. And he is telling you, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. The same word. Amen? It's powerful. And a lot of times it's easy for us to think righteousness, okay, well, that's like one piece. Uh, we think of righteousness so quickly as just holiness. So like, don't, don't sin, don't do bad things, that's righteousness. Okay, so try to be good, and maybe you'll be satisfied, right? Google, that's how they define it, the quality of being morally right or justified, okay? But there's so much more to righteousness than morally right or justified, okay? There's multiple facets. Like a diamond has like all these faces, and all the faces in themselves, if you stare at them, they're gorgeous, and they're amazing, and they're beautiful, but the facets put together are what make the diamond amazing, okay? Righteousness is the same way. There's a lot of different faces of righteousness. And when you put them all together, that's when you see what righteousness really is. So to me, what this says is that there's multiple ways of seeking righteousness. In Matthew 5, 6, there's, I think there's three ideas, probably more. But the first one is being pure and holy. The second one is about justice. But the third one is about the idea of being something being as it ought to be. So God, in his righteousness, it, it's right. It's as it ought to be. Or if I'm going to be righteous, it's as I ought to be in heaven, so it is on earth. And so whenever Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, then let's paraphrase it a little bit and take any facet of righteousness and hunger and thirst for that one piece, right? As it ought to be. Healing in heaven as it ought to be on the earth. Peace. God being your daddy, whatever aspect of God's rightness that you're seeking and trying to pull down on the earth, that is you seeking righteousness, his rightness. And as you seek that face of righteousness, you will be satisfied is the promise of the Lord. And so our lives should be marked 
all of the time chasing after a new face of righteousness, a new piece of righteousness. So what is it that you need today? Are you wanting more power for healing? That is you hungering and thirsting for a piece of righteousness. Are you needing more peace in your heart? Are you needing to get rid of worry? Are you needing to know God as your dad? Whatever it is, hunger and thirst for that face of righteousness. And Jesus' promise to you is that you will, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. Amen? Psalms 107, 9. It says, God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Y'all read it with me. God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Amen. This is his promise to you. He will satisfy you with good things. Psalms 34, 8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Because when you pursue him and when you test him and when you taste, he will prove himself as good to you. And if you read the whole, the whole chapter of Psalms 34, the whole thing is pressing in the point. If you will pursue God, when you need him, he will show up in the most amazing, beautiful ways and you will be satisfied. Amen. Okay, I just read this quote. It's by a lady named Maureen Iha. I don't know who she is, but it says this. Desperation determines destination everybody everybody say whoa if you if you don't realize it yet that's a powerful statement and let's say it together desperation determines destination one more time desperation determines destination last time desperation determines destination your hunger is going to determine where you end up what? It's so true. The more you think about it, the more your mind is blown. Your hunger, your desire, the things you long for are going to be the thing that causes you to get wherever your final destination is. I think this is profound, and this is why we have to be people of hunger for the Lord, so that we can end up where God called us to be. All right. A great example where you see this in perfect action. Desperation determines destination. Athletics. It's like a no-brainer when you look at an athlete. Michael Jordan was desperate to be one of the best basketball players of all time. If he was not desperate to be the very best, he never would have been crowned the best basketball player of all time. Right? An Olympic gymnast who wants to win the gold medal. If they are not desperate with every fiber of their being to have that destination of being on the podium and winning a golden medal, they don't have a chance from day one it's not going to happen. Michael Phelps, if he wasn't desperate as a young preteen boy thinking, I want to be the best swimmer in the world, if he wasn't desperate with everything inside of him, he would have never made it to his destination. Right? So desperation determines your destination. Your hunger decides where you're going to end up. Okay? I know that's true for me. I'm hungry. I'm going to end up in the kitchen. <laughs> right? It's true. Universal truth right here. The same is true in your life. So my question spiritually, and I want you to take a moment and, and think about it. You can write it down in your paper. Who do you want to be in life? 
what is your destination that you're going for? Who do you want to be in God? What do you want your legacy to be? When you're gone, and the only people who remember you are your great-grandkids, and they remember two things about you, what's the legacy that you want them to remember about you? Obviously, that's a big, big question, and you can take time to journal about it with the Lord later on, and I encourage you to, because the destination, your determination needs to line up so that you can get there, okay? For a long time, I was motivated by this thought of, um, and let me just preface, I don't think this is biblically accurate anymore, but it really encouraged me to press in harder for a long time. So in high school, college, my buddy would often ask this question. He'd say, Grant, when you end up in heaven, when you see Jesus for the first time, and everything's amazing, and you run to his arms, and you hug him, and you just cry, and he's so happy that you're there. It's this glorious moment. And then he turns to you, and he says, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy you're here. You lived a good life. Can I just take a minute and show you what I had in mind, what the best life would have been? And then he shows you these moments in your life where he called you deeper and you said no, right? Now, it motivated me deeply for a long time. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jesus is too good. I don't think he would ever do something like that. But I think what will happen is we're going to get there. We're going to be so unbelievably overwhelmed by his love and goodness and care that in the midst of that love, an overwhelming feeling, I think we will automatically have thoughts of, oh my gosh, if I just gave a little more, you know, like Schindler's, Schindler's List at the end of the movie, he looks at his watch and he's crying, I could have saved six more, and he looks at his shoes, I could have saved two more, you know, it's like I, when we're in his glory, we're going to look, we're just going to naturally reflect on our life and think, oh my gosh, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I say yes when he called me? Well, this is so worth it. I should have given everything I had to run and chase after him all the days of my life. So what are you hungry for in God? And I love this question. What has God called you to hunger for? Same question, but different angle. What's God called you to hunger for? What's the destination that you're trying to get to that you need to be desperate for? What do you need to be hungering for in this life and in the next? Here's my encouragement. Make your destination ultra clear. Have an unbelievable clear picture of what your destination and what you're going for. Make your destination ultra clear so that your desperation can drive you to that destination. I'll say it again. Make your destination ultra clear so that your desperation can drive you to that destination. Okay? Now let's talk about it. Once you have that destination in your mind, you're motivated, you're hungry, you're ready to go, let's talk about things that are going to stop you from getting there. These are hunger killers. Everybody say hunger killers. There's a bunch more, but there's just a few. The first one is unbelief. Unbelief is a hunger killer. It'll stop you dead in your tracks. Go back. 
Hebrews 11.6, it says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is who he says he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay? You've got to believe. You've got to believe the word of the Lord. You've got to believe the things that he tells you. The, the things that he says, this is who you are. This is your destination. This is what I've called you to. You have to hang on to those things and believe with those things with all of your being because that is your destination. And the moment that you allow a tiny bit of doubt to creep in, it will begin to erode your whole belief system and beco becomes like a cancer. And it will stop you dead in your tracks from getting to your destination that you're trying to get to. If you no longer can see your destination, your determination and desperation will die shortly after. If you no longer can see your destination, your determination and desperation are going to die shortly after. Here's another hunger killer. Unforgiveness is a hunger killer. It's, if you think about it, everything that's in God's heart is forgiveness. And so when the enemy can trick us into do the exact opposite of the heartbeat of God, then he won, right? Because what it does is that you're looking at God's destination for you, and the moment you look at unforgiveness, you're looking down and at yourself. You lose direction of where you're trying to go. And you guys know the boat analogy. A, a captain who gets one degree off on his long journey across the ocean is going to end up miles and miles and miles and miles away from where he's trying to get to. You've got to stay focused unforgiveness causes you to not be focused, okay? I love in Genesis chapter 4, 7, it says, this is about Cain and Abel, and God told him to bring an offering to him. Cain brings an offering and it's not accepted, and he's mad. He's like, oh, how dare you? My offering is so good. And the Lord's like, no, it's not. I need a blood sacrifice. He's like, I don't understand this. And he gets mad. Instead of getting mad at God, which I don't understand, he should have gotten mad at God, he gets mad at his brother because his brothers got accepted and his didn't. And so he's getting angry. He's taking up offense. He has unforgiveness in his heart towards Abel. And the Lord God comes and intercepts him, and he stops him in his tracks in chapter 4, 7 of Genesis. And God speaks to him. And he says, hey, Cain, guess what? It says sin is lying at your door waiting to pounce on you. Don't let it overtake you, is what God said to Cain, which I love. And of course, we know the story. He did let it overtake him. But what, when you look at the Hebrew word for sin, if you look it up in the Strong's, the very first definition of sin is the word offense. And obviously, there's a lot of different definitions for offense. But I love that illustration. I love the imagery of offense is lying at your door, waiting for you to open it, and it for it to overtake you like a lion waiting at the door to overtake you. Offense is the exact same way. And if you open your heart for a little bit of offense to come in and have a little bit of unforgiveness in your heart, it will overtake you. It will stop you dead in your tracks, and you will not make it to where you're trying to go. Amen? All right. Next, lack of vision is a, is a hunger killer. You guys know the verse Proverbs 28, 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But if you can't see your destination, you're not going to make it there. Okay, and this goes right along with it. Laziness and procrastination is a hunger killer. So thinking, I'll get around to it tomorrow. James 14, 4, 13, he told us, don't count on tomorrow for we don't know what tomorrow holds. Like, don't think, oh my gosh, I'm called to plant a church. 
I'll get to it in 10 years. No, the Bible says, no, don't do that because you have no idea what tomorrow holds, okay? Don't be lazy. Don't procrastinate. Rise up and do what you're called to do now. The last thing is junk food. Go back. Junk food is a hunger killer. Everybody say junk food. This is true in the natural. Anybody guilty of this? You get home 5 o'clock. We're going to have dinner at 5.30. You're like, oh, hallelujah, dinner. Yes, can't wait. Your wife's getting ready. She's going to start cooking soon. She stands up to go cooking, and you're like, oh, I'll go join you in the kitchen. You come over to the kitchen, and, oh, how was your day? Oh, good. Pantry. Open the door, look in the pantry. Oh, good, good. And you see some chips. You start eating some chips. You go to the, go to the refrigerator, open the fridge. You start, And before you know it, you've been eating all this junk food, and she's been working hard to get your dinner ready for you, and now it's dinner time, and guess what? You're full on junk food, and somebody ain't happy. And I'll tell you who it is, okay? Junk food kills your hunger, and you know what it does? It doesn't even just kill your hunger, but it leaves you in a worse state than you were before. It doesn't satisfy you. It's a lie. Junk food always lies to you. It's like, come eat me. I'm so tasty. I'll fill you up. And then you eat it, and then moments later, you're like, oh, I'm so hungry, and I'm lazy and tired. I can't even get up and get real food anymore, right? That's what it does. Spiritually, there is spiritual junk food all around you in the world. Amen? It's all around you. And the world is like, eat me. Come enjoy this. This will satisfy you. And you're like, oh, it will? Okay, I'll go over here. I'll try this. And you're happy for a quick moment, and then you're back down. And you're worse than before, and now you don't have energy to go get real nourishment that's going to fill you up and keep you full in the Lord. Amen? It can be sin. It can be junk. It can be, it's, it's in all different forms. But don't let the junk food of the world rob you from real satisfaction in God. Amen? I think you can see this just a little bit in uh, Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is talking about the four soils. Is it Matthew? I think it's Matthew 4. Talking about the four soils. And one of the soils, if you guys remember, it says the seed fell on good ground and it grew up well. And it was on a good trajectory to bearing a lot of fruit. But then the cares of the world surrounded it, and the junk of the world came up around it like weeds, and it choked out the good fruit. And that seed never had good fruit its whole life, okay? Junk food, spiritually, will prevent you from making it to your destination and bearing good fruit with the Lord. Don't let it happen, okay? All right, so how do you cultivate a lifestyle of hunger? I want to encourage you guys, Philippians 3.14, the Apostle Paul, everybody look at me, the Apostle Paul, who planted like all the churches in the Bible, he said in Philippians 3.14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, if the Apostle who planted all the churches in the New Testament had to press on and had to be encouraged and had to fight to keep moving forward, it's okay if you do as well, all right? So be encouraged. Sometimes it's hard, and you got to fight. you got to press on to make it where you're supposed to be. Paul did too. Don't feel bad about it, but rise up and fight through it, okay? So number one, how do you get more hungry for God? Dream with God. This is unbelievably important. Spend your time daydreaming with God, asking him questions. Why in the world am I here on this earth? 
What did you make me for? Why am I in my family? Why am I doing the job that I'm doing? What do you want from me? Why am I here? And dream with God. And then close your eyes and envision doing things with God. Let him lead you in the things that he's called you to do. Number two, search your life for hunger killers and then fight hard to get rid of them. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And when I read this, I envision a, a woman. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that are gathering. Okay. It's this weird verse. The next verse has nothing to do with foxes. But when I heard it taught the first time, the way that it was explained to me is that back in the old days, the vineyard was the fruit, that's the money, that's where everything happens, right? And they're constantly on the lookout for marauders. They're on the lookout for fires. They're on the lookout for locusts. They're on the lookout for big, significant things that would wipe out the crop. But they weren't, what they weren't on the lookout for were the little tiny foxes who were sly and quiet, and they would sneak through the little gate, and they would slowly go through the vineyard, and they'd have a little, a little fruit here and a little fruit there, and they'd eat this little bit here. And before you know it, the whole crop is ruined, and there is no more fruit because we weren't paying attention to the little tiny things that snuck in to steal your fruit. The devil's a little fox. He loves nothing more than to sneak into your life and kill your hunger and take your fruit away. So find those hunger killers, get rid of them. Number three, put fresh fire on every day. Say every day. I love this verse. It's Leviticus 6.12. This is when the Lord was teaching them how to, how to take care of the temple. He said, the fire on the altar must be kept burning and must not go out every morning. The priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering. It's simple, right? But I love it so much. It's so appropriate still today. The thing that matters most in your life is your fellowship with the Lord and your hunger to go after God. Every day, if you're going to keep your fire going, every single day, the command of the Lord is to get up and to put fire on your, to put wood on your fire. Don't let your fire go out because when your fire goes out, it's so much harder to make it come back to life. So every single day, go get new wood and put new wood on the fire and keep it burning every day of your whole life. The next one goes right along with it. Find fresh things to stir you up. And listen to the people's testimony where they've been with God and have the attitude of, by golly, if God did it for them, he's going to do it for me too. Revelations 12, 11 says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. Because a testimony is fuel for your fire to, to say, I mean, you guys better hear a testimony and think, holy smokes, they got to experience this amazing thing. Me too. God, come and do it for me. That's what it puts inside of you. And then you begin to hunger and thirst for that thing. And then there's breakthrough. Because it's a universal law of hunger and satisfaction. Okay? So, how, you, you say, Grant, my fire's out. I'm so tired. I ran out of firewood. I don't know what to do. Well, go get some new firewood. You're out of cedar. Okay? So sorry. Go get some oak. Okay, go get something different. Go get something new, but get some wood for crying out loud and throw it on the fire before it goes out. So stew different things to stir you up. If you are tired of reading the Bible the way that you're reading it, change how you read the Bible. <gasps> if you're tired of the translation that you're reading, get a different translation. 
If you're sick and tired of the podcast you listen to, get a different podcast. Like, let do different things. God doesn't care what type of wood we're going to get, but put the wood on the fire every single day. Amen? And I just want to say I'm unbelievably uh, proud of Sunghoon and Cali. They don't know I'm going to say this. Rachel already said it, but this is awesome. They are the shining example of what I'm talking about today. Because a few weeks ago, Sunghoon was not super on fire for the Lord. His hunger wasn't super high. And he stumbled across a Todd White podcast. Anybody know Todd White? Modern day hero, kind of like Heidi Baker, whoever. Amazing guy. He listens to one of his messages and thinks, whoa, what's happening inside of me? Uh, that was good. I'm really convicted. I'm full of sin. I want to listen to more, <laughs> right? It creates hunger inside. And so he keeps listening. He keeps listening. You know what he does? He starts getting excited to fire up his life with God and to put fresh wood on his life with God. So he begins to press into that, that hunger. And then he's, he wants to read the Bible, but a lot of times it's difficult to understand what he's talking about. And he goes out and he gets a different translation of the Bible. <gasps> and he's reading it and he loves it. And it's awesome. It is good. And so then he's pressing into his time with God, pressing into the Bible, learning things, being challenged by God, listening to more and more podcasts, and he's hungering and thirsting, and he's being satisfied the way it should be. And Miss Callie hears that he's been listening to Todd White, and she thinks, oh, the testimony of Sung Hoon getting on fire, I want to be on fire too. So she goes and listens to Todd White. And guess what? She starts feeling bold and starts feeling hungry and starts feeling excited. And then she's at work where she's the head honcho, the head therapist. And she's got this client who's not doing well and has crazy high blood pressure and they don't know what to do. And they're about to call the ambulance and she prays. And the power of God comes and this person is healed and the blood pressure goes back to normal. Amen? That's how it should be. Amen? We need to be people who understand how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Okay, King David, he was really good at this. You read the Psalms, you'll see him strengthening himself in the Lord. In 1 Samuel 36, it talks about, 30 verse 6, it talks about when the Philistines had come and ransacked their tent, their, their, their ziklag, their place. They had gone out to go defeat the Philistines. And when the whole army goes out, they left the family behind. And while they're out, the Philistines come in and they wipe out everything. They burn the place down. They take all their families. They take all their money. They take all their possessions. It's all gone. So they come back. They can't find the Philistines. They come back to their home base and it's ruined and everything's gone. And the mighty men of David, the psycho scary mighty men of David, turn on David. And they're ready to stone David and kill him dead on the spot. You know what he does? It says that he, excuse me, excuse me, guys, just one more, one more second. Okay. He goes by himself. He gets away. And the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. In that time of being unbelievably low, in a scary, terrible place where everything's about to end, literally, he leaves the situation. He strengthens himself in the Lord. And he meets with God, and God tells him, go after the Philistines. I will give them into your hands, and you will get everything back. So he comes back to the guys. Guys, before you kill me, God said, let's go after the Philistines. Let's go. They run, chase after him. They kill all the Philistines. They get every single person and possession that was theirs back in full plus other plunders that the Philistines had taken. Amen? Because David knew how to strengthen himself in the Lord. And that's what our lives need to be marked by. Is when we are, our fires growing dim. We have to be people who know how to put fresh 
wood on the fire, who have to stir up the hunger and make the hunger come back to life so that we can continue to be desperate for our destination. Amen? So, in conclusion, what are you hungering for? And I want you guys to journal about these things, you know, this week. Really be asking God, crying out to him to show you. What are you hungering for? If you want to receive a blessing from your heavenly father, you must position yourself to receive his blessing so it doesn't overtake you. And how do you position yourself? By hungering, by thirsting, by pressing in to receive more. Your desperation is going to determine your destination. So how hungry are you? Make that hunger burn strong so that you can end up where you want to be. And then commit to live a lifestyle of hunger all the days of your life. Amen? Let's stand up together. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then I'm going to go eat meat. Finally. Put your hand on your heart if you can. Father, we just come before you, and we corporately, we say we want to be people who are hungry for you, not just today, not just this year, not just next year, but every single day of our entire lives. God, we want to be marked by hunger for you all the days of our life because we want to be desperate to get to the destination that you have spoken. We don't want to let any doubt come into our minds of the things that you've spoken for us, of who we are and where we're supposed to be. We don't want to let any doubt come in. We want to stand on your word wholeheartedly and believe the things you've called us to do and fight until we see those things come to pass. So God, I release an anointing of hunger over every single person now in the name of Jesus. From the children and the babies to the adults, we release hunger, an anointing of hunger from heaven to last and to stay with them all the days of their life. For those who are on fire right now, God, we're asking for more. We're asking for more revelation, more hunger, more desire, more satisfaction, and let the cycle happen all over. For those who are not hungry at all, we speak to their spirits in Jesus' name, rise up and be hungry in the name name of Jesus and become all that you're created to be in Jesus name and we proclaim over everybody in the room our hunger our desperation is going to determine our destination and as a body our destination is going to be glorious in Jesus name and all the people said amen, amen. all right we love you guys